This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Space. I am Tim here in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown with Lance Reinsteer. Now, what's up, Lance? Not too much. What's going on? Well, it's been a busy week. Yeah, the not too much is just an arbitrary. It's just a goddamn throwaway lie. line, <laughs> and it's a goddamn lie. <laughs> so uh, it's Thursday, April fourth, here as we sit here right now, Lance, and uh, this is going out to our lovely patrons, and we want to thank you for being our patrons. And uh, new patron of the week, Liz Hounsel Hutchinson, just joined. Shout out to Liz. So, Lance, this week uh, in the Crawl Space Studios, we experienced a lot. With the show Crawl Space, we released the episode with Brandon Lawson's brother, Kyle. Yep. And in the Maura Murray case, which we also cover on the Missing Maura Murray podcast, there was some wild news that was... Going breaking yesterday as we were here in the office, there was a press conference announced, and we thought it was going to announce the uh, that that Maura Murray's body had been recovered, or something that was connected with Maura Murray. We've been working on this for so long, and we have experienced the way law enforcement and the the AG, the Attorney General's office, has handled any information having to do with Maura's case, and they've always been very tight lipped about it. And just seeing the wording that they used with uh, calling it a criminal investigation, knowing that they summoned the family up there. Uh, knowing that they had been in that location previously and they were taking jackhammers in there, all very well publicized. They announced a press briefing at 3 p.m. We couldn't figure out any other uh, reason why they would do all of that, have the press briefing, and come out and say they found nothing. We were trying to figure out, like, what could it possibly be other than they found something that was brought to them from that February search. They tested it. It matched Moore's DNA. They went in there for the past two days and dug something up that positively identified her. There was no other, there was nothing else in my head that that, that could have, like a realistic conclusion. Yeah, I was with you. And we recorded uh, yesterday sort of like a vault like we're doing right now. And we popped that up on our Patreon page here today on uh, Thursday, April 4th. Um, because now it is sort of like a collector's item, like it exists as uh, this this um, moment in time where we were really excited about this press conference, and we spoke to Maggie Freeling, who uh, was not as excited. No, she said, to "Listen, guys, this isn't something that they're. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they came out and said that they found nothing." And we were making jokes. We were calling her a wet blanket. <laughs> yeah, we were ready to kick her out of the out of the band. But she was right. She was, she was right. right. She's she knows more about the inner workings of being a journalist and handling the media. So she she's maybe saw some indicators there that we just didn't see that we weren't aware of. 
and it was extremely disappointing. It was extremely weird to yeah. see. It was weird to see them come out and Jeffrey Strelzin come out and say that and and give nothing and give nothing other than we found nothing. We found nothing. This was brought to us by uh, private citizens. Right. And, and this is why we were in there. As his description of nothing continued, we realized that this was just the response to what happened in February when Fred brought his own group there with the GPR and the cadaver dogs, allegedly found something on both on both of those ends whether an anomaly and a cadaver dog That hit. was in November and December that Fred discovered that, I believe. I believe the police went back there in February. I think that's how it, how it went. F- wait, Fred didn't go there in February? Fred well, I, no, I don't know, but I mean th- their initial search happened in December or November. That's what it was all based on. Okay, well, my, my um, point was the, the news broadcast... Not a Fred. Fred came out on the news and said that he they they had the cadaver dog hits. He had a private group in there. They had an anomaly on the 15 year anniversary. Fred said if basically throwing it out to New Hampshire State Police, you know, throwing them a dagger and saying if you don't do something, I'm gonna do this. And yeah. for years, the there's been so much criticism on the AG's office and law enforcement, the New Hampshire State Police, and the spotlight was just cranked up to 11 there, and this was their response to it. They said, we cleared it yeah, repeatedly, and then they had to go in, physically dig, bring their people in there, and then come out and say, listen, we, we responded to the pressure. Right. So I think the initial search happened back in November or December, They the cadaver dogs with GPR, and then they sent that information to the state police attorney general's office. They weren't doing anything, and then the 15-year anniversary rolled around, and that's when the Murrays uh, put their pedal to the metal, essentially, and talked about uh, the lead and and talked on every broadcast yeah. possible. Cell phone video shared over across the world, so... Yeah, I think that it's possible that uh, the powers that be in the state of New Hampshire were a little annoyed at that reaction to their lack of action or whatever was going on with them. The Murrays, you know, pivoted at that point because before then it was a private situation. It was brought to the attorney general by the Murrays and it was kept out of the media. And then when when the 15 year anniversary rolled around, Fred shrugged and said, well, now we're talking about this. We're putting we're holding your feet to the fire. We're putting the pressure on. We sort of followed suit a bit and talked about it, saying we need, you know, the police need to get in there. This seems serious. And it did seem real. I mean, I remember being here on the ninth and being like, wow, how is this not Mora in there? You know, and now and a couple months have gone by almost and. It, it, you know, we hadn't heard anything, so it was like, well, maybe it's not. Who knows? And then all of a sudden we come in here yesterday, and uh, there was all this news about something going on in Haverhill. Um, the whole crime scene unit up there, FBI agents up there, a dozen agents inside the house, and then this press briefing scheduled for three. So in fairness to us and the entire community, what were we supposed to think? Well, we did kind of know that the police were going to go in there in the spring. They yeah. said that they were going to go in there. So they did exactly what they said they would do. They've done exactly what they said that they would do in the past. I don't know why when they say that they've cleared a location just because 
just because there's some indication that something happened there, or there's some bad people that ha- that live there, and and we're and and we look into this too. We we look into who lived there, and we said, yeah, that make that would make sense. But the 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 law enforcement had said that they cleared it, and there's still this really really like stonewall unwillingness to believe law enforcement. So yeah. then they go in there and they clear it with the dog. They do it again. They they physically pull up the the piece of con- like part of the concrete floor and they come they come outside have a press briefing and they say there was nothing found just like we told you and we did this even though we told you that there was nothing that we cleared it and there's nothing there even though we told you that we went back in we we physically dug we found nothing again so there is nothing here and still people are not believing them yeah and you and I talked about this after and we said we were look at it where we're the where the dogs lost the scent like she didn't go she in that, that direction way. yeah yeah but, so to us it seems like this whole press call press conference call you know getting everyone wound up um was sort of in response maybe to the murray's media blitz that they put forth uh in early february discussing this lead saying what the heck the police aren't doing anything i mean fred's never one been one to hold back on law enforcement in fact quite the opposite um so i would say that maybe that annoyed them a little bit and they they said you want us you want us to use our resources we'll show you our use of resources and they called a, a a damn press conference and how many reporters and cameramen were there for essentially nothing and how many attorney general uh, people you know people from that realm the cold case unit the fbi were there standing next to jeffrey strelzen from the attorney general's office like so all those man hours were spent on this and that's what i think they wanted to show you they wanted to show you that i yes. think that's why the helicopter was even do you there think that, that they day. would yeah why, why you, else would there be a helicopter there? what the hell is the helicopter doing there in case right. someone's running no it's only for the the added spectacle yeah of it. So they they created a circus. Yeah, I'm sorry, they didn't create a circus. They responded to a circus, but it is a circus now. Yeah, they it's responded a media... to a circus with a different circus. Yeah, it's a, it's a media circus now, and it's kind of unfortunate that that's what it's become. Yeah. But we just got to keep our eye on the keep our eye on the on the on the yellow line. You know, keep our keep keep in our lane. Yeah, we have always said certain things are are facts, and if we just keep our eye on the facts. I'm not going to go into a list of facts, but if we keep our eye on the things that we know, then we'll we'll be on the right path. And that that house, while it was suspicious, while the people who used to own it were sort of deplorable, and we did get caught up in, well, yeah, I could see that happening. Yep. And it just, and then you have all of the information that's coming out from the attorney general's office. Yeah, we got caught up in it because, hey, we're not detectives; we we could be wrong. But you Absolutely. know what? They dug it up. There's nothing there, so we're not wrong. We we are going in one direction, and that seems to be the direction that all of the things that have happened to eliminate different locations and persons of interest just keep leading us in the same direction. Yeah. So ultimately, it, it's a good thing to cross something off the list, um, but it was a real tough... It was a gut punch, for sure. Oh, it was a huge gut punch. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that they would have done that press briefing had Fred not come out in February? I mean, absolutely not, right. because it, b- up until that point, everything was held outside the media's realm. We didn't even know about all that stuff. So if they were just doing things like that, then they would have searched privately and told them privately, I think. But they had no choice to some degree, too, because of the media attention. Like like we just said, it went international, that news back in February. God, so, so much stuff happened. 
And uh, speaking of so much stuff. That's what I mean. So much stuff happened yesterday. I don't even know where to, <laughs> yesterday and the day before and, and just uh, the few days leading up to this, I don't even know where to begin. Kyle Lawson. Yeah, let's get into that. So uh, on our on our show, Crawl Space, um, we we interviewed the, the brother of missing person, Brandon Lawson. And big thanks to Chloe for arranging that interview. He yeah. was incarcerated. He had some drug in, you know, drug infractions that he went to jail for and she was communicating with him when he gets out of jail. He'll he'll talk to her, he'll do the interview, which, you know, could have gone one way or another. He mm-hmm. ends up actually talking to her, writes her a letter, and then he comes out and he does the interview because she started this relationship and uh and showed him that she could be worthy of his trust. Yeah, no, she's she's a rock star. Um, her her show with her sister, True Crime Twins, is coming to Crawl Space Media uh, very soon. Um, so check that out. That's going to be a, a new podcast from Crawl Space Media with two uh, twin sisters, the Cantor sisters. Okay, Lance. So we had an incredible uh, social media reaction to this uh, Brandon Lawson episode on Crawl Space. So just want to go through some of the comments on YouTube and on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so I'm going to start here on YouTube. Uh, Misty says, this interview is so heartbreaking, but very insightful. Kyle has answered a lot of questions I had about that night. I feel he was being honest about the events. I feel really bad for Kyle, and I hope the family gets some answers soon. Regardless of whether or not this was a terrible accident or foul play, Brandon deserves to be found. I hope Kyle is able to stay clean and sober. It's a sad situation for the whole family. Yep. Couldn't be more accurate with that. It is a sad situation, and Kyle is just trying to handle it the best that he can and try his his very best to remember what happened. Because anytime you talk to somebody about anything that's over a couple of years old, like at that point when he's talking to Brandon, he thinks that he's on the phone with him. He's going to pull up, and Brandon's going to pop out of the woods and say, you know, I just ducked in because, you know, there was a cop coming or this or that. He had no idea what it actually turned into. I got something here from Devin on Twitter. He said, great work, or she said, great work. That might have been the single most important interview you've conducted yet. Thank you. Completely changes perspective on the case with so much new and important information coming out. Absolute must listen for anybody that's familiar with Brandon Lawson's disappearance. I don't want to like pat ourselves on the back, but. Let's pat ourselves on the back. No, this was a great. This was a great interview and um, a real, a real it, it, exceptional moment because it changed what we knew of the case at that point. It, it was also a rare moment where we had the opportunity to clear up things that were snowballing into speculation, like right. like the seams on the bridge sounding like gunshots. People thought that there were gunshots in there, and Kyle came out and said, you know, what you're hearing there are car tires going over the seams of the bridge. Right. And uh, someone on Instagram, uh, Branchuski, says, what are your thoughts? They really want to know what we thought. Um, Brooke Ann says, great job. It's It's unfortunate that we still don't know what happened, but I 100% believe every word that Kyle said. I'm sure the events of that night haunt him deeply. And uh, here's one on YouTube. Orange Everything says, I guess that's that. I wish it had been different. PSA, don't do drugs. So I got a vehemently opposed to this one. That's not that. I mean, it, it's that in that we know now that Brandon was on 
methamphetamine that night, the night he went missing. Mm-hmm. And I agree this could be used as a public service announcement. Don't do drugs, but it's not that. What does he mean? What does orange everything mean? I guess that's that. Like, everyone's just going to forget about the case now and stop talking about it and stop covering it and stop looking for Brandon? Yeah, I guess he's saying that Brandon was uh, hallucinating and went into the woods, and that's the conclusion we're at now. Like, that's that. Whatever happened to him in the woods took you know happened to him i guess here and i hear on on youtube dave says may his family find peace one day this is a case that must be solved and orange everything same person replied to that says i think for all practical purposes it has been they just don't have a body okay so basically saying you declare somebody deceased because of all the circumstances around it even though you don't have a body it's pretty rare but it happens but how what's the cause of death then like this this case is not solved by well, anything. no, no, no. I'm saying that if you could officially say that this was that he the, the, he could be officially classified as yeah, as dead. I agree there, but that doesn't mean that the case is solved. No, yeah. So that I disagree with Orange everything. Uh, I think you pronounce it Kazbaz on Twitter. 108 Yoga Days. Okay. She says, that was utterly heartbreaking. I wish I could hug Kyle and make it better, at the very least, since I can't give him back to since I can't give him back Brandon, to hear his pain, oh my. What was the very last thing he said? Please, I couldn't make it out. Thank you. So the very last thing he said was a very slow delivery. He was being very deliberate about all of the speculation on on law enforcement sides and just, I mean, all the speculation about whether or not he gave Brandon a ride out of there. And he said he wanted people to know that he did not give his brother a ride out. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Here's a comment from Kim on YouTube. And I think Kim is a recent patron sign up. So thanks. Shout out, Kim. She says, uh, so, so glad Kyle came on to talk and clear up a lot of the misconceptions toward the call that Brandon made, what kind of a guy Brandon is. It's sad that others have chosen to make comments about Brandon, someone they don't know. Everyone has made mistakes in life, done things they shouldn't have, etc. My thoughts and prayers continue to be with Brandon and his family. I pray that he's found soon. And Ryan commented, couldn't have said it better myself. One thing I didn't really realize about Brandon until Kyle said it was that he was like like a, a take no shit from anyone guy. He was a, he was a, he, he was pretty hardened. Yeah, he was a soldier uh per Kyle. Um not an official soldier, but right. he carried himself like a soldier. Right, right. I think both those guys are kind of uh like kind of tough guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, here's a, uh, unlike us, um, here's a, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, comment from Mr. Webb says very insightful it's pretty clear now that he was in fact suffering from meth induced psychosis 
I have had an experience with an individual experiencing the same symptoms. She would see and hear people things that were not there. Constantly declare people were out to get her and suffer from auditory and visual hallucinations. It's a really sad situation. People doing meth do not know what they are getting and nowadays may end up getting a bath salt or flaca, which is a lot worse than meth in general. Giving that, he did not use drugs for months. His tolerance was probably very low, and addicts tend to revert to their prior doses, assuming that they will stay able to handle it despite their abstinence from the substance. I really hope they find his remains someday, but someone tweaked out on meth can go for long periods, and he could be miles away from his last known location. They may not even be looking in the right direction. I feel terrible for his brother. I can't help but sense guilt in his voice over him pointing him in the direction of the source, but a determined drug addict will find drugs no matter what, and it will be inevitably ended the same situation regardless. It's a well-thought-out comment, huh? Yeah, I wonder yeah. if this person has some uh, background or just some experience now. Um, or just being very insightful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we don't. in fairness, though, we don't know that he was suffering from meth-induced psychosis. Um, it's definitely possible that he was hallucinating due to uh, the methamphetamine that he had taken that day. Absolutely. And Kyle had said that he had OD'd before. And since that OD, he didn't really, when he would do drugs, it would affect him, him differently. It would yeah. affect his brain differently. So on top of just a regular uh, ingestion of meth, he had this, he had this, uh, this, this sort of chemical Im- imbalance uh, in his brain from doing from from overdosing previously right and uh and we asked kyle during the interview if he had ever hallucinated while on meth and kyle's answer was no but i never did i never did it like that and so that that begged the question well what does he mean Uh, like that what did which way did brandon do it exactly was he doing it and are bad for not following up on that but it was kind of tough to to keep up with what he was saying because he was delivering a lot of information. And when he said it, none of us really processed what he said until we listened to it back in the recording. Right. And he said like that. So is he talking about the method in which he did it or the amount of, of, of meth that he did? Right. Because like I've never done that much meth or I've never like injected meth, you know, yeah. you can do, you can drink beer or alcohol in a lot of different ways. You can, you can drink it like a priest uh, on Sunday mornings uh, with, with wine and you can drink it like a college kid uh, binging, binge drinking 15 drinks a night. Um, Or you can do a keg stand. That's a different way to do it too. Uh, With, I I know we only have it with dinner. Right. Right. Or you could have it for breakfast. Right. Marijuana, which is legal in the state of Massachusetts. You could, you could uh, take a little hit from a one hitter or you could hit a gravity bong. Those are, that's a, wide spectrum of ways you can do that drug so when kyle says i never did it like that i assume he meant on the lower end and brandon went to the far end the high end of that spectrum on on doing meth something a lot more intense than kyle that had ever experienced yeah we can follow up with kyle and just ask him what did he mean by that and just get the answer he might not have even meant anything he might have simply meant I did it once a while ago, and I just don't do it anymore. So yeah. I never did it like that. Yeah. So, but uh, as we speak uh, from YouTube, Becca was actually commenting on episode ninety nine of Missing Maura Murray, ah. and said, "Great interview," and and goes on to say, "Thanks for reaching out and giving listeners a first hand description of what Maura was really like." That's what we wanted to do. There was no. Uh, 
case-breaking information that we expected to get from Mora's co-worker. So it was just an insight into what Mora was really like. And then she goes on to say she was still speechless over the interview with Brandon Lawson's brother. These interviews keep me invested because I feel like I'm missing one of my own when I'm hearing the, their backstories. This is what will keep people talking about the cases. This is exactly what we're trying to do. And again, there's so much happened. Mora's co-worker, the events of yesterday with the with a press briefing, Kyle Lawson's uh, interview. This yeah. is all to keep the the conversation going. That's and right. She says, uh, there's power in numbers. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you for listening, Becca. Keep up the great comments. Makes us feel good. <laughs> and shout out to Craig, who just uh, became a $20 patron. Oh, hey-oh. Thanks, I feel like, Craig. I feel like I'm doing the uh, Jerry Lewis telethon right now. <laughs> it's sort of a live telethon. I wow. That. That, that that places my age a bit. <laughs> Uh, here's a comment from Mrs. Seaweed on YouTube who says, I'm even more confused now after the interview with Kyle Lawson. Um, I am glad you contributed it, Mrs. Seaweed. Um, but I, I will say that I think at least we know something kind of major, right? One of the, the major questions, um, which was, was branded on drugs that night. So therefore, you can look now at the 911 call and say, well, this might not be important at all because he might just not be making any sense because of the drugs that he did. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point. I think at the very least, if we just talk about the fact that there's a confirmation he was on methamphetamines that night is a very revealing part of the entire mystery. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of rules out the idea that he ran away too, I think, because someone uh, on that amount or that kind of do, doing drugs in that way using Kyle's words, um, it's hard to see them escaping from their life without a trace and still being away from their life, you know? Um, as far as maybe being a derelict in a, you know, in a big city, it doesn't really seem likely to me at this point. And it also sort of cleared up, I'm seeing some comments here on YouTube and Twitter, it's the, the Staper comment. So yeah. that, that's been now filed in the catalog under Folklore, of Brandon Lawson. What is Staper? Like, what does that mean? And and Kyle was pretty adamant in saying that he was asking for the state police. He just said it fast and he tripped over his words. Yeah. And I also want to say, I think there was an important moment when we asked him, um, when did Brandon's cell phone stop ringing? And uh, Kyle said the next morning. So that told us right there, Lance, that that Brandon didn't fall into water that night unless he fell in and threw his phone as he was falling or, or lost his phone somewhere before. But do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. his phone wasn't in his pocket and it didn't go, didn't die because he fell into water. You know what I mean? So he, he either Brandon or at least his phone wasn't in water at some point. It sounded like it ran out of battery naturally. Yes. And speaking of water, we've had a lot of people asking us yeah. about the Colorado River. From all accounts, that section of the Colorado River was pretty shallow. Yeah, like a couple feet, I like think. Like you could, you could walk, you could wade in it. Yeah. Definitely could still drown in that amount of water. But oh, absolutely. But then not being found is another story. Yes. Here's a comment from Gina on YouTube. She says, I've heard this case on a few other podcasts and YouTube channels, even with Kyle. But this is all new, more in-depth information. It almost changed everything because if he called his brother to tell him to run from the cops, it totally changes the feeling of terror presented in the 911 call that's being shared. Even with the info that the bridge are not gunshots, um, and then there's a comment on that under that from Blake. 
Blake says, I feel pretty certain I hear gunshots on the 911 tape, even to the point of hearing someone say gunshots after one of the sounds. I think Kyle is mistaken here. I'm sorry. Say that again. Someone someone says that they, even after all of this, they still hear gunshots. And yeah. They say that they actually hear someone say the word gunshots. Yeah. And, and then he goes on to say, I think Kyle is mistaken here. Yeah. Okay. So uh, well, Kyle was there. Hey, let's embrace the debate. Shout yeah. out, shout out to Blake. Um, yep. But yeah, I think I think we'll disagree on that because yeah, Kyle was there and uh, he's been under that bridge and heard that noise. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't think that call was edited. You know, I yeah, I, it, I agree. I don't think I, there's any reason to believe that it was unless unless someone can bring something to the table that is a clear indication of it being uh, altered or edited in any way. I don't see why it would have been. And keep analyzing that call though guys because that's yeah that that is as it's been stated before the holy grail of of this case i mean i think um i think nick from when we were yeah when we were batting us around with true crime garage said that at one point it, it was the holy grail of the case every right everyone's thinking there's the, there's the answer in here it's really a, a tough pill to swallow thinking that there isn't an answer in that 911 call because why he called 911 is what put him in that situation in the first place. I mean, you can't figure out what he's talking about. That's so frustrating. Right. The reason for him calling 911 is is directly related to him disappearing. Right. And during that entire duration, you can't figure out what he's talking about. He calls his brother, Kyle, and is panicked. Multiple times. And then he calls 911, uh, asks for cops, and then calls his brother again. Tells him to run from the cops. And then he coming. tells him to run from the cops. Yeah. So it's it's all over the place. It's it doesn't make any sense. Um, here's a comment uh, from Stephanie. She says, "Very sad case. The interview with his brother was kind of weird. It it sounds like he was reading." Um, she says, "Couldn't finish segment due to him reading." Well, I I would advise you to finish the segment because uh, he stopped reading after a few minutes. Oh yeah, he, and he, he was read. He we said that he wrote a statement that yeah. he read at the beginning. So if it sounded like he was reading in the beginning of that, he was. Yes, he was reading. He just was released from jail. He really wanted to tell his story. He didn't want to screw it up. There's actually a moment where I ask him a question during his reading, and he politely asks me not to ask any questions until he's done reading. So he he really just wanted to read it and get it out of the way, and then he said, "We'll do questions after." Yeah, and we did, and and that was it was a it was a great way to do it because I think he just would have been too anxious right off the bat with us firing questions at him yeah he wrote he wrote his account of what happened uh read it to chloe on the phone off the air and then said i'd like to start the interview with uh reading that so we were obviously uh into that whatever he wanted to do um okay and lance on missing maura murray this week uh we talked to an old friend or an old co-worker of maura's who worked with maura at the uh, art gallery i know i almost gave a spoiler oh don't do that um, and, uh, and so, so check that out on the missing Maura Murray feed. Uh, if you haven't already, there's some real interesting information. Also, Michelle is her name. She discusses, uh, this moment where she got into a car accident, a really bad one and, uh, got, I believe concussed, hit her head off the windshield, her face broke, broke bones in her face. She broke her like orbital bone. Yeah. Yeah. Her cheekbone. She was wearing... Somehow she was wearing one shoe. She crossed three lanes of interstate, a busy wow. interstate. Yeah, very she, dangerous. She somehow got out of her car when the doors were bashed in and, and locked, and she got out through just a small opening in the window. And 
we didn't think that we were going to get, go in that direction. She yeah. had sent us an email saying that she worked with Mora, and oh, by the way, I, I also got into an accident when I was around Mora's age. Yeah, and we, I, we just thought it was going to be a, a quick conversation about her accident, but it's incredible. Well, so. I think what's really interesting about it, Lance, and we touch on it in the episode, is that uh, not only did she have the accident and uh, smash her face, she uh, crossed three lanes of highway at least, and then walked for like a mile and a half, was recovered, was found uh, stumbling with one shoe on. Um, her victimology at that point during that hour and a half had to be off the charts. Like, what a target. What an easy target It was like at a, that point. Yeah, I you just imagine a, a rabbit going through like a fox field yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just not even knowing what's, what the danger is. Right, just right. Blindly through. And the police couldn't even locate her car. They actually enlisted search dogs to help locate her car. That's how deep in the woods it had it had buried itself. No, I don't even, it was like in the median. It was like in the middle of the two, of the interstate. Oh, yeah, sorry, not deep in the woods. It was deep in the, Thick. In like a ditch, yeah, it, yeah in, in a the ditch. Thick of stuff. But it was so far away from where she was that the police didn't think that she could have walked that far. They thought actually her boyfriend at the time um, abused her and threw her out of a moving car, which is really reasonable to think based on what she looked like, I right? Imagine. And probably they just probably didn't didn't believe that she could have made it that far in that state. Yeah, and they also said that they didn't think she could have escaped from her car, like uh, went because the car was so mangled. There was only they said seven inches of room and out of she, the out of the out of the driver's side window. Yeah, and yeah. she climbed through it and and still crossed the highway and made it um, all the way. Now. Well, the thing that we talked about in that episode, and I want to finish with this, I think is really interesting because if she was abducted, say, during that hour and a half, what would we be talking about now? Well, we get into that with her, and yeah. it's, it, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating uh, idea. Like, yeah, like scenario to speculate on because with Moore's case, you have a lot of f- factors and the condition of the car and the circumstances of the position of the car and the, and the rag in the tailpipe, all of these little red herrings or maybe not red herrings. If she, if she had been abducted or if she had wandered into the woods, maybe to a, to a, a lake or something and drowned and no one found her body, if she just wasn't there, this would have, this, this would be one of the most baffling cases ever. You'd, you'd think yeah. that she just poofed, disappeared out of her car right because there the window wasn't open enough for somebody to crawl through but she managed to right she I, actually makes a funny joke about what her body might have turned into which <laughs> yeah I'm not going to give that away uh but another part of the whole interview with her was talking about mora and what mora was like as a co-worker and a person in her impression and again there's no crazy case revelations we find out a little bit about uh, the perception of the relationship between Mora and Sarah and what she was like as someone who worked two jobs plus went to nursing school, the the sort of crowds that Michelle hung out with and the crowds that Mora hung out with. Just a lot of, a lot of really interesting insight. Yeah. I like it. it, it it's, it's a, good it's a refreshing episode. It's a good one, and it's episode 99, and in two weeks we'll be releasing episode 100. We're going to do a Facebook Live event uh, to record the content for that episode, Lance. That's going to be next uh, Wednesday, April 10th on Facebook, so check out that. Missing Maura Murray, and uh, 
involve yourself. Interact with us. We're going to be taking questions, maybe even taking calls on Maybe that even day. taking some calls. Yeah, we'll that see. would be a lot of fun. We'll see what happens. we got to buy a phone first. <laughs> so thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the Patreon Vault Series from Crawl Space. Check us out at patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. And we will be back with our regularly scheduled Vault Live episodes with true crime news next Wednesday. I don't even know what we're doing anymore. <laughs> Just put me in front of a mic and it's going to go somewhere.